You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Kings chapter 18, and we're going to talk about a certain man tonight by the name of Hezekiah. And as we think about this new year and we get our game plan for the new year, uh, if I could ask you a question, what if God showed you all that is going to happen in 2022? It'd probably scare some of us. Maybe there'd be some times where we'd be really encouraged, and I'm praying to that, that God would do great and mighty things, which uh, we don't even know about, but God will do, and expecting those. But what if God showed us everything? If God would have showed us everything that would have happened in 2020, I know we would have been scared. But yet God gives us the grace every day. Uh, to, to serve him and stay faithful to him. What if God shows you not just what happened in this new year, but what if God showed us and showed you in your life what would happen in the next five years of your life? I often had that thought when I was going through Bible college. And if God would have showed me uh, what was going to take place in five years of my life, once I was in Bible college up until uh, you know, going uh, into ministry, I, I would have said, Lord, that's, that's a lot to handle. I'm, I'm not sure if I can do, go through all that and survive. But yet God blesses and God gives you the grace to do it. And I think there's a reason why he doesn't show us what's ahead because he just wants us to trust in him. But what if God told you, let's take it a step further. What if God told you the day that you were going to die to where you knew exactly how much time you had left on earth? You knew. I mean, okay, the day of my death is this. I have this amount of time to live my life. What if God showed us that? How would we react? How would we live our life in accordance to that? This evening, we're going to talk about this king, Hezekiah, and it's amazing what happened to him. We're going to introduce him in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse number 1. Follow along with me. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Let's all read verse number three together. Ready? Begin. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. This was a good king. King Hezekiah was not only a good king, he was a great king. Hezekiah was a king that would do much for the name of the Lord. He would do amazing things. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But I'd like to, before we talk about the amazing things that he accomplished, I'd like to jump ahead to a certain spot in Hezekiah's life where it was really a very pivotal moment. It was a defining moment for King Hezekiah. We find this in 2 Kings chapter 20. So just turn a few pages ahead. Skip ahead to chapter 20. And in verse number 1, the Bible says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you'd bless as your word is preached and expounded upon tonight. God, I pray that uh, you've promised your word doesn't return void. So Lord, as we deliver the message tonight and as we hear the word of God, may it uh, bear fruit in our hearts. 
God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to listen with the divine attention tonight. And uh, may we not just hear it, as uh, Jared had mentioned, but that we'd do it and that we'd apply it to our life even tomorrow, uh, even tonight, Lord. And uh, we'll give you all the praise for what happens uh, tonight in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Can you imagine? What a discouraging time for Hezekiah. And in the midst of this sickness, which we later find out that this, it was some kind of boil on his skin that was literally unto death, he was dying, and God even told him that he was going to die. Can you imagine? Sick unto death, not knowing for sure if today was going to be your last, and then the prophet Isaiah comes to you and says, I know you've been wondering if you're going to die or if you're going to live, and God has told me to tell you that, I'm sorry, Hezekiah, but you're going to die. Set your house in order because you are going to die of this disease. I wonder if we were in Hezekiah's place, how we would react to that kind of news. No doubt we would be sad. But yet, what would be our first response? What would be our first reaction to the news of you're going to die? We'll read what Hezekiah's response was, and his response was a, a great response. But before we, we uh, get into that, if we could just magnify the situation, so to speak, and add a little bit to it. There's a phrase in there, in verse number one, it says, in those days. What does it mean when the Bible refers to in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death? Well, these were the days, if you back up into the previous chapter, these were the days of blessing. Man, these were the days of victory. These were the days of prosperity, the days of miracles, and God was doing great things in the life of Hezekiah. And then the Bible says, in those days, the days of spiritual blessing, the days of prosperity, the days of, of having victory over your enemies, those days are coming and you've experienced them. And now Hezekiah is in a valley. May I say tonight, and we can all relate, that battles will come in your life. Battles will come, storms will come, valleys will come. It was once said, you are either going through a valley, you were once in a valley, or you're about to go into a valley. But valleys and storms and discouragements and tests, they do come. Hezekiah here, he just entered the valley of the shadow of death. So I ask you again, if you were in Hezekiah's spot, what would your response be to God coming to you and saying, you're going to die? The time of your death is at hand. It's knocking on the door. You're out of time, Hezekiah. Let's continue to read here in verse number two. The Bible says, Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. What a wonderful response is that, amen? Now, when you've got a problem, when you've got death knocking on your door, the best thing that you can do, the first thing that you can do, the only thing that you can do is pray, and Hezekiah did that. He could have gotten bitter at God, he, he could have gotten mad and just given up right then and there, but yet the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. Let's look at this prayer tonight. I beseech thee, O Lord, verse number three, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Hezekiah prayed. He prayed fervently. He prayed like he had never prayed in his entire life. And he was a man of prayer, as we'll uh, discover tonight. But yet, Hezekiah prayed, and something amazing, something miraculous happened. Hezekiah's prayer request was answered. In verse number four, the Bible says, And it came to pass, 
before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, Isaiah hadn't even left Hezekiah's house yet. That the word of the Lord came to him saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Praise the Lord for answered prayer. Praise the Lord for immediately, I mean immediately answered prayer. Hezekiah experienced just a, a miracle of God that God would hear his prayer and that he would see his tears. Aren't you glad that God sees your tears? Man, every tear that you cry, God sees it. Aren't you glad that God, it's not just like you pray and then God gets a text message of, of your prayer. All right, this is okay. All right, this is their prayer request. No, God, God is there in person. As you are praying, God is there and he's listening. He doesn't just see the words that you're saying or, or whispering in your heart, but he sees the emotion. He sees the tears running down your face and he knows exactly what you need and he's just waiting for you to ask. And God answered Hezekiah immediately. This is, this is amazing, miraculous. Isaiah stops in his tracks. He's in the middle of the court. Well, Lord, I was, I was just about ready to get in my car and leave and there's an answer already? Okay, wonderful. Let me turn around and tell Hezekiah the good news now. And so Hezekiah comes back and he gives him the answer of the Lord. And let's look at God's answer. We find it here in verse number five. The Bible says, Turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. That's a wonderful thing. That boil that was going to kill you now is going to be healed. I will heal thee. And what's the next promise? And on the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Let's just take a mental note here, and uh, th this is significant. This is very significant in the life of Hezekiah, that God would give him this promise, this answer to prayer, that the third day he shall be able to go to church. And so we're going to come back to that, just take a mental note. Number three here in God's prayer, he says, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Fifteen years more to live. That's, that's pretty different from uh, you're going to die today. Fifteen years. God says, you know what? I'm going to give you fifteen. Why fifteen? Why fifteen years? Looking at uh, Hezekiah's life, he was 25 years old when he began to reign. Okay, And he reigned for 20, uh, I'm, yes, 29 years. Okay, So if we do the math and we go back, and we look at the history, Hezekiah at this point when he was sick unto death, he had already been reigning for 14 years. You know what God says? He says, Hezekiah, you've done a lot in these 14 years. You've been productive. You've done a lot for my name. You've, you, you've done amazing things, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But now I'm going to give you 15 more years to continue. Do it again, Hezekiah. Do it again. 15 more years. What an amazing thing. I have this hourglass here, and just to give us an illustration of the time that's ticking. Now, Hezekiah, this, this, was, this is what we, we had wondered about and used our imagination with. If God were to tell us the end of our life and how much time we had. Hezekiah, he knew, 15 years. All right, I have 15 years, and then, and then my life is over. But God has given me 15 more years of life. He promises in this, in this answer to prayer, I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. That was the enemy that Hezekiah was facing with. And then he got sick right after he got the victory over king, uh, the king of Assyria the first time, which, which the angel of the Lord came and, and brought the victory. They didn't have to raise a sword. 
And then God confirms in only a way that God can. Would you look with me at, at verse 9? So we have uh, Hezekiah is, is asking, okay, is there going to be a sign? How do I know for sure that God is going to answer in this way? And Isaiah said in verse 9, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go back 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward 10 degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. We understand this sundial that we're talking about. It's a light thing for ten minutes to pass, or ten degrees to pass, and, and some estimate it's 40 minutes. That's a light thing, okay? That, that just happens naturally. But Hezekiah says, let the sign be that it returns back, like time goes back. And it's amazing that God did that as a sign that these things would be answered according to um, what Isaiah told Hezekiah. Hezekiah, if Hezekiah knew what his name meant, maybe he would have had a little bit uh, more courage, but his name means God strengthens. So God strengthened him, he, he cured him, and he healed him of his disease that he had. Could I ask you once more tonight, if God gave you 15 more years, how would you spend it? As we look at Hezekiah, and I know we're on a time restraint tonight, but as we look at Hezekiah's next 15 years, pretty much he, he got back his reign as king. He, he could do it all again. And yet the Bible says that Hezekiah in these 15 years was lifted up in pride. He let the prosperity, he let the peace, he let the popularity uh, take root in his heart to where he allowed pride to get in. And, and we'll discuss that a little bit later in the message as well. However, we're not guaranteed 15 years of life as Hezekiah was. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow, the Bible says. In Proverbs 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James 4, 14, we know this verse, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Lamentations, chapter 3 the Bible says that it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And I'm thankful for God's mercies tonight. The Bible says that because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every day that God gives us here on this earth is a gift. We ought to thank God for his mercy each and every day. So when we know that our time is precious and as our time is ticking down tonight, and, and maybe this is my time restraint tonight, maybe when the sand goes down I'll have to be done preaching, I think it's an hourglass, so that's a good thing. I guess I thought ahead. But we shouldn't be living our lives like we have to waste time. Oh, what can I? I'm so bored. What can I do now? The truth is, Jesus is coming back at any moment. And so we should be living our lives with that, that it's imminent. God is going to come. Christ is going to come back. So what are we doing in preparation for that? Jesus gives us the lesson through the parable of the wicked servant in Luke 19. He says, occupy till I come. Jesus says, work. Don't just sit on your hands. Don't just try to waste time and let time go by. That's precious time. It's a gift. And so we must use it. We must work till Jesus comes. I love that song. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. Will work, will occupy till I come. Revelation twenty two twelve says, And behold, Jesus says, I come quickly. 
And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus is coming back any moment. What are we doing with the life, with the time that God has given to us? We have the Great Commission to work on. We ought to go, teach, preach the gospel. We ought to baptize and then teach and, and train up disciples to do likewise. That's what we have to do. That, that is our job as Christians. Tell others about him. Share the good news of the gospel while there is time because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It's kind of like Hezekiah. He probably took it a little bit easy. I have 15 years. I have 15 years until my life ends. So maybe he thought, and, and maybe as Christians, we're tempted. Uh, I know the world does it this way. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just, let's just live it up. There's nothing after this life. Let's just live it up, the world says. But yet God says there's time not to be wasted, but there's time to be invested in the work of God. It's kind of like, I know that uh, most of us in here were good children growing up, and we have some good children in here as we speak, which would never think of doing these kind of things. But uh, when, when you were told you're old enough to stay home by yourself and your parents had to go out and run an errand and they'd be back at a certain time. And they gave you a list of chores, all right? I need you to make sure your rooms are clean. I need, I need you to make sure that the trash is taken out and don't make a mess. Make sure the house is clean when I get back. And so parents leave and the kids know, well, I've got three hours. Surely these chores, they're not going to take but 20 minutes maybe at I mean, we've got two and a half hours to just do whatever we want. This is amazing. Freedom! This is great. And so, do I have anybody that uh, has experienced this? Maybe some parents. We won't, we won't accuse any kids. Okay, all right. So, uh, so, you know, and then all of a sudden, the, the time, the three hours that we thought we had, we were just having such a good time. You know, two hours passed by, and we're thinking, man, where did the time go? I mean, only one hour until parents get home. And then guess what? They come home 30 minutes early and nothing's done. Man, that 20 minutes, I thought we could get everything done. And now Jesus came early, right? And, and so now we're in trouble because we as Christians have taken that mentality and said, you know what? We've got, we've got time. It's only 2022. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a whole lot more that has to take place on, on God's timetable. So, so let's, let's just live it up for now. And then when things look really bad, I mean, I know things look bad, but when things look really bad, then let's get serious about serving God. Then let's think about being faithful to church. Then let's think about uh, taking the Bible and reading it every day and actually adhering to what God tells us to do. But God says, hey, I'm coming back at any moment as a thief in the night. You don't even know when I'm going to come. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And so we ought to live our life like this is our last day. We better make sure that we do what we can today. While it's today, tomorrow comes, we don't know if it'll come. The night comes when no man can work, and Jesus might come back tonight, so we better get busy. We, we better work till Jesus comes. Our time on earth is literally borrowed time. God has given us this life to live, and we must give it back to him. If we're Christians tonight, we, we understand that, that our life is purchased. Our life is bought with a price 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have borrowed time tonight. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow's a gift. And so with the life that God has allowed us to live, what are we going to do with it? 
Are we going to take Hezekiah's approach to his 15 years of extra time? Or are we going to make sure that there's some characteristics in our life that are pleasing to Christ? I have just a few points tonight, and I'll make sure that we get out at a decent time tonight. I'm not planning on preaching long. But as we look at the life of Hezekiah, we can identify four characteristics that should be evident in our lives as we anticipate Christ's return. And in reality, in this new year, 2022, these four characteristics should be very evident in our lives as a Christian. These ought to be our focus in 2022. Our goals ought to be uh, focused around these four characteristics. And so let's look at it tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes, diligence is the first. Diligence. Hezekiah was a diligent man. We find this very evident as we look at the early years of King Hezekiah's reign. We have, if you would turn with me, uh, keep your spot in, in uh, 2 Kings because we might come back to there. But let's go to the parallel passage because it, it gives us a little bit more explanation of Hezekiah's first couple years um, as king. We have 2 Chronicles chapter 29. So go ahead and turn there, please. 2 Chronicles 29. Growing up, Hezekiah would witness his father. His father was the very opposite man of what Hezekiah would become. But his father was an idol worshiper. His father was the one that set up high places. His father was the one that brought in and welcomed the idol worship in Israel, in Judah. And so Hezekiah, growing up, he would see this happen. And once Hezekiah became king, he made the decision that he wasn't going to allow it in his kingdom. As Hezekiah began his reign, he purposed to do something very important. He purposed to open up church again. Let's read here in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 3. The Bible says, He, Hezekiah, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Praise God for opening church back up. It was closed. It was out of business. Uh, there was cobwebs. It was broken down. It was run down. Church hadn't taken place in a long time because of his daddy and the idol worship that he welcomed into Judah. But yet when Hezekiah became king in the first year, and not just in the first year, but in the first month, Hezekiah made it a goal that I'm going to open up church again. I'm going to open the doors to church and I'm going to repair them and I'm going to restore the true worship of the one true God. That's what Hezekiah did. And it was diligence that he had throughout this whole process. He worked hard. It wasn't easy trying to abolish idol worship in Judah. Once you allow something like that to take place and to take root in your land, it's very hard to get it out. You have to have a mass effort. And so Hezekiah, he started with opening church back up. And could I say in your life, if you want to get your life back on track, if you want to make sure that there's no idols in your heart, if you want to make sure that you're right with God and living for God, the first thing you ought to do is get back into church. And, and tonight, if you're not able to be in church tonight for a physical need, that's another topic. But yet, we ought to make sure that we make every stitch effort to be able to be in church because that's where the process starts. That's where the rekindling of the fire begins. That's when we can restore and hear the, the Word of God preach and restore a relationship with Christ. Hezekiah made it his first goal to open church back up. Thank you, Hezekiah. He wasted no time about it. Let's read a little bit further in uh, verse 35 of chapter 29. Verse 35 of chapter 29, 2 Chronicles. It 
The Bible says, And also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. What are we talking about here? Hezekiah has reestablished the offerings and sacrifices of the temple of God. Hezekiah brought the priests back in. Hezekiah gave the Levites their job back. And Hezekiah got church running like it should be. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. And Hezekiah rejoiced. And all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. It was pretty sudden. Yeah, first year, Hezekiah, open the doors, repair everything, uh, give, give the priests and the Levites back their job, get the whole nation back to serving God. And notice here, as the nation of Judah got back to serving the one true God, got back in the church, got back in the habit of doing what church uh, is purposed to do, then it says in the very next verse of chapter 30, verse 1, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. For the king had taken counsel on his princes and the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. And so he is establishing again the Passover. Uh, we have, uh, let's see here. They destroyed idol worship from the land. Look with me here. At, uh, I was in the wrong chapter. Verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 1. We have now when all this was finished. What was finished? The reestablishing of worship. Opening the church. Now when all this was finished... And all Israel that were present went out to the cities of Judah and break the images and pieces and cut down the groves and threw down the high places and the altars out of all Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim also and in Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. Praise God. Church is open, back in business, and now the people are on, uh, in one accord working together. They have the same goal in mind. We're worshiping God. We got to get rid of everything else. And so they went and together a team effort destroyed idol worship in all the land until it was all destroyed. The people were together. Hezekiah, as they were destroying all the idol worship, Hezekiah saw that the brazen serpent that Moses made in the wilderness had now become an idol as well. What was this brazen serpent? That was when Moses and all the people, they were traveling in the wilderness, and the people began to murmur and to complain to God and they didn't like even the manna. They started complaining about the, the miraculous food that God gave them to sustain them through the wilderness. They started complaining. So what did God do? He allowed the fiery serpents to come in to bite them. And the Bible says that many of Israel died because of this. And then Moses, in, in instruction by God, made this brazen serpent, this brass ser serpent, put it on a pole. And God said that anybody who's bitten by a fiery serpent, if you look at the pole then he shall be healed and he shall not die. That was miraculous. That was amazing. That was actually a picture of Jesus. We find in John chapter 3, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This was amazing. This was miraculous. This was something that God used to heal the people. But yet this very thing, this brass serpent, had become an idol that was sacrificed to like it was some kind of God. He explained to the people that this was Nehushtan, meaning it's nothing but a piece of brass. And that's exactly what every other God is that's made by man. It's just, it's just material. That's not God. We know the one true God. And so Hezekiah made uh, this explanation to the people. You know what they did? Not only did Hezekiah open church, 
Not only did the people in, in one accord destroy idolatry in the nation of Judah and in Israel, but yet uh, they also, as Hezekiah gave command to, he said, hey, people, we've got the Levites, we've got the priests working now, everything's going well, church is in, in session, it's great, God is, is blessing now because we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and now what you need to do is you need to give to God. You need to give so that the Levites and the priests have something to live off of and something to eat. And as soon as Hezekiah gave the commandment, the people gave. And they gave, and they gave, and they gave. They gave in abundance. And the Bible says, we don't have time to read it, but the Bible says that they had heaps. I mean, they, they had to lay a foundation. They had to build a foundation just to lay the heaps of the stuff that were given by the people of God. That was amazing. Wouldn't that be a wonderful problem to have in church? Man, everybody's just giving and giving and giving. We have, we have too much. We have to make a foundation and just keep it all on a pile because we don't know what else to do with it. That's pretty amazing. And so uh, Hezekiah sees this and he says, well, let's, let's make some storehouses and let's store it properly. And so that's what they did. It's amazing Hezekiah's diligence in restoring worship in Israel and in Judah. God blessed him because of that. This diligence, and may I encourage us tonight, we ought to have some diligence in this uh, 2022. We ought to be diligent in coming to church. Man, church is open. We're in session. Man, we have church. Let's be there. Let, let, let's be faithful to church in 2022. Let's be faithful to God. Let's do what God instructs us to do. Number two, I'm going to move quickly and we'll be done. Number two, dependence. Dependence. Hezekiah learned even learned the hard way that he had to fully depend upon God. Why is that? Because the enemy Assyria came, uh, the, the king of Assyria, by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib came, this king of Assyria, and, and he, he came and he took some cities around Jerusalem. And yet, he sent three generals, all to try to discourage the people from listening to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, didn't, uh, he, he kind of knew what to do, but, but his first reaction to Assyria coming against him was, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do like my daddy did, and, and I'm just going to give him money. I'm, I'm going to try to pay him off so they don't come and, and uh, invade our land. Well, he did that, and the Bible says, we don't have time to look at it tonight, but the Bible says that he even cut off the gold from the doors of, of the house of God that he himself put up. Man, this was the abundance. People were given. Uh, Hezekiah was laying, uh, overlaying the house of God with gold. But now in a panic, instead of going to God in prayer when a problem came, he started cutting out the gold. He started giving all the silver that was in the house of God, and he gave it to the enemy thinking that would appease him and say, okay, I, I guess we'll be safe now. Well, guess what? That didn't even phase the enemy. Uh, Sennacherib said, that's that very cute. But we're going to destroy you just like we've destroyed everybody else. And not even your God is going to save you because all these other people said they had gods to save them. And guess what? They didn't save them. And so now you think that you're any different? You think that your God can do something, uh, something that, that they could not? So Hezekiah, he had to learn the hard way to depend upon God. The Bible says that as he heard the words of uh, Sennacherib, as he heard the words of his generals, that he had to respond in a different way. And this response, this response was a dependence on God. We find here, if I can find my page. Look with me in 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 37. 
if you still have your place there. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Rabshakeh was one of Sennacherib's generals. And he was mocking God and saying, we're going to destroy you, we're going to wipe you out. The message comes to Hezekiah this time, after he tried to buy him off. The Bible says in the first verse of 2 Kings 19, And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and what? Went into the house of the Lord. You know, I'm beginning to understand that now Hezekiah is learning how important the house of God is. He opened the doors to the house of God. He repaired them. And now he's taking his request to the house of God because he, he knows that's where he's going to find the answer. Hezekiah had dependence on God. Must we, uh, too, be determined to have dependence on God in 2022? The Bible then continues to say that in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14, not only was it spoken, this wonderful speech by the general, but then he sent a letter and said the same exact thing. The Bible says, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He went up again. The problem came. Hezekiah heard the bad news. Man, I don't know what to do. I already tried to pay him off. And obviously, that was not the right thing. To, that was a natural response. That was something that I tried to do in my own power, but yet I'm, I'm understanding and I'm learning now that the key is in the house of God. The key is going to God in prayer and saying, God, I, I'm fully dependent on you. Now I have this letter. I'm going to spread it before you, Lord, because you see it now and, and you're going you're gonna to answer because I'm going to you in faith and full dependence on you. Psalm 73 is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph had the question, why, why do the heathen prosper? Man, why, why do they go unpunished? Why does it seem that the godly suffer and the ungodly are having the time of their life? And in Psalm 73, in verse 13, Asaph being frustrated, why do the wicked prosper? He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. God has all the answers. God will give you the right mindset. God will give you the understanding that the wicked's time is very short. Their best time is here on earth. After that, it's punishment. It's destruction. And so, until Asaph went into the sanctuary of God, then he understood their end. What are battles you're fighting tonight? Do you feel troubled on every side? Is there an enemy that's threatening your freedom? Could I encourage you tonight to spread it before the Lord? Spread it before the Lord. Number three, we have discernment. We have um, the, the, the points before that was diligence, dependence, and now we have discernment. What, what is discernment? It's the ability to know the difference between right and wrong and to choose to do the right. No doubt, Hezekiah, he lacked discernment when he came to his 15 extra years. And Hezekiah, in chapter 20, of verses 12 through 18, it says that uh, there were was, there was some people that were coming to congratulate Hezekiah for recovering of his disease that he had. It got to the point where it was like, everybody's coming, everyone's sending gifts. Hezekiah, man, this is great, this is wonderful, this is exciting. Man, I'm getting a lot of presents because I'm recovered of my disease. And now this, this king from Babylon, 
Babylon. Who knows where that's at? This king from Babylon, uh, far country, don't have to worry about him, non-threat. He wants to come and just uh, to congratulate me in person. Why not? Let's do it. And so the king of Babylon comes and, and uh, Hezekiah is talking with them. And the king said, hey, I heard you got recovered of this sickness. Man, you were going to die and, and you got well. He said, yeah, that happened. Man, I was, I was sick as a dog. I mean, it was, I was checked out. And then God healed me. And now, I mean, I'm living life in peace. Man, I'm prosperity. I'm getting popular. Everybody knows about Hezekiah, the man who was cured. And the Bible says that Hezekiah showed King Babylon, the king of Babylon, everything. Everything. His riches, his armies. The Bible says there wasn't anything that Hezekiah did not show this king of Babylon. God came to Hezekiah. We might have to close with this. But God came to King Hezekiah in chapter 20 of 2 Kings, and, and he said, that, that's pretty foolish, Hezekiah, because that very king who you thought was a non-threat, 520 miles straight shot, you know, it takes several months for an army to, move, to, to, to go and, and uh, for a great group of people to go into Jerusalem from Babylon. They're a non-threat. Several months, who's that dedicated to conquer somebody? Babylon was. And God says, because of your pride and you showing off everything that you had, the consequences is that in your son's days, your sons are going to be carried away into Babylon. And everything that you have is going to be carried away. Hezekiah had a lapse of discernment. It was a result of his pride, no doubt, that clouded his judgment. And Hezekiah had a response there. I'll read your, uh, you the response, and we'll close with this thought. But in 2 Kings chapter 20, I believe it's uh, verse 17. We'll start in verse 17, 2 Kings chapter 20. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the kings of Babylon, king of Babylon. Verse 19, Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? I highlighted that phrase because I thought, it's good that peace and truth be in your days. And Hezekiah, you had the right response to the judgment of God and accepting it and saying it's good because you deserve it. But yet, aren't you concerned as well about your sons after you? That was my thought. He had a lack of discernment, which we should have discernment in 2022. But he also lacked discipline. We find that evident in that phrase right there. Is it not good that peace and truth be in my days? And then we find in the very next chapter, in chapter 21, we have Manasseh, which was Hezekiah's son. The Bible says very quickly, Manasseh was 12 years old. 12 years old. That means that Manasseh was born in the 15 years that uh, Hezekiah had extra. When he began to reign and uh, reign 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. That's the longest reigning king right there. This king, Manasseh. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. 
For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove, and as did Ahab king of Israel, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son to pass through the fire and observe times and use enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. That is a man, Hezekiah, who was not concerned about raising his son with discernment and with uh, discipline of what was right and what was wrong. Manasseh comes on the scene and he's one of the most wicked kings that Judah will ever experience. God humbles him later on and he turns to God. But yet he was wicked and he undid everything that his father Hezekiah did. So Hezekiah, why didn't you concern yourself with the next generation? That's where the discipline comes in. In church, we have, we have a wonderful church, but our church is nothing if we don't raise up the second generation and pass something down to them. Hezekiah, why didn't you concern yourself with the next generation? Don't you want the next generation to know that God can supply your need, their need? Don't you want the next generation to know that the peace of God can be in their lives as well? Don't you want the next generation to know that the blessings come from obedience to God? Don't you want the next generation to know that judgment is a, is a result of rebellion against God? Don't you want the next generation to know that there is one true God that is worth worshiping? Don't you want the next generation to know the miracles that God did in the past? Don't you want the next generation to know the miracles that God can do in your life as well? If we don't do our part in passing down the faith of our fathers, then the faith will not be passed down. God is a God we're serving, not in just in this generation, but in the generation to come. We have many young people in here tonight. It should be our goal and our desire tonight as a church to pass down the faith that we got from our previous generation. Tonight, we are living on borrowed time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Does your life contain diligence in the work of God, dependence on God, discernment in the things of God, and discipline for the next generation? It's my prayer that Myself personally, I'd make goals that have these things in focus. That I would make sure that I live my life, and Hezekiah was a great king, don't get me wrong. And he made mistakes just like everybody does. He was not perfect. But let's learn from his mistakes. Let's learn from the good that he did, his diligence, and his dependence on God. But let's also make sure that we ourselves are concerning ourselves with the next generation. Let's make sure that we ourselves have the discernment that we need to make the right decisions and to act on that instead of falling into the wrong. Let's do our best to make 2022 the best year that God can bless us, that we can see God do great things in our church, and that we can thank God for all that He has done and that He's going to do. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.